Good morning, Fullerton. Here are your headlines for the week of April 11th. Number one, election 2022 preview. No matter who wins, 2022 will be an important election year for Fullertonians. From House of Representative members to state legislative seats to various county-level positions, Fullerton voters will have no shortage of issues and candidates to consider and pay attention to while filling out their ballots. To break it all down, read a summary of this year's most critical races online at FultonObserver.com or in the early April issue of The Observer. The primary election is on June 7th. 2. Police arrest suspect for train car burglary. With the recent rise in train car burglaries, Fulton police officers have been increasing patrols around the train tracks throughout Fullerton. On April 4, at about 2.56 a.m. in the area of Dale and Artesia, officers stopped a van filled to the roof with boxes. In the end, the driver, a 36-year-old male from Culver City, was arrested for felony possession of stolen property, grand theft, and burglary. Officers recovered 234 stolen projectors worth $234,000. Number 3. Neighbors seek to save Sunrise Village. A group of concerned residents seeks to revitalize the Sunrise Village Commercial Center and not allow it to fall into the hands of a developer wishing to build 153 residential units. The second set of revised plans for the Pines at Sunrise Village housing development at Euclid and Rosecrans has been submitted to the city. It is currently on the Planning Commission calendar for Wednesday, April 13 at 6.30 p.m. in Council Chambers. Number 4. SoCal gas repairs, methane leaks near Golden Hills Elementary ahead of schedule. The Fulton Observer made an inquiry to SoCal Gas about methane leaks found near Golden Hills Elementary. Elizabeth Rodell, a media representative for SoCal Gas, said, In an effort to be proactive, the repairs near Golden Hills Elementary were made ahead of schedule. End quote. To view a map of methane emissions in Fullerton, visit SoCalGas.com and type, quote, methane emissions map, end quote, into the search bar. Number five. New energy service begins for businesses. The Orange County Power Authority, OCPA, began service on April 1st, delivering energy choice to more than 38,000 business accounts across the cities of Buena Park, Fullerton, Huntington Beach, and Irvine. Customers can choose from OCPA Basic Choice, equal in cost to Southern California Edison, SCE, Smart Choice, which provides 69% renewable energy or 100% renewable energy. OCPA will launch its residential service this fall. At full launch, OCPA will be the sixth largest and greenest community choice energy provider in California. For more information, visit www.ocpower.org. Next, we have an interview with Vivian Moreno, education correspondent for the Fulton Observer. There is a video version of this available on our YouTube channel, so be sure to check it out. So next, we have an interview with Vivian Moreno, education correspondent for the Fulton Observer. There is also a video version of this available on our YouTube channel, so be sure to check it out. So Vivian, thank you so much for being here today. Um, thank you, Arush. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> My first question for you today is, before we kind of delve into this changing grading systems in Fullerton mm -hmm. schools. I want our listeners to understand how this fun functions at the moment. Like, If you could give, give us a brief overview of how decisions are made in our schools, who decides grading systems, and who has the power to influence them. Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks. Mm -hmm. Right now, and rightly so, um, teachers pretty much have the last word on grades, mm -hmm. which is a good thing. Um, they are in contact with our students the most and can decide whether mastery over a subject has been achieved. Um, a little bit of your question is the history of grades. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, grading is probably one of our last 
areas of education that really hasn't gone in o- over an overhaul in the last mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. We all pretty much are aware that um, subjects, standards in our state have over, you know, with Common Core and through the nation um, have been overhauled to achieve more 21st century skills and knowledge base. Um, but grading is pretty much the same as it was back in the 1970s. Um, before then, um, grading was made not to reflect mastery over a subject for students, but it was actually made to help employers to Mm -hmm. sort um, students as they graduated in where they would fit best as an industrial worker. Mm -hmm. Um, So you had uh, some codified um, belief systems, societal belief systems, that were reflective in the way grading is. And you can tell that by the inequity of Mm -hmm. this current grading system. We have a 100-point grading system, basically, and 10 points is the highest is an A, and then you go down until you hit D and F, and then you have about 50, it depends on the teacher, but 50 to 60 points is failure in a class. That's a lot of failure area, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know. So um, one of the main reasons uh, grading has been under discussion is the inequity of the system itself and how it reflects upon um, children and people uh, in different social stratas. Um, so it tends to grade harsher on children from lower incomes um, who are not exposed to as many different things as a as in a young person's life, and also um, there's a racial bias on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no way of getting around it. There's real correlating evidence for that. Um, so, as we have changed the um, goal of public education from sorting potential industrial workers to a mission of creating lifelong learners Mm -hmm. who will have multiple careers in multiple areas over their lifetime, um, we need to relook at grading Mm -hmm. and what that means. Okay? Yeah. No, that's a very good brief overview of how we've been doing grading so far. And who really has the power? And it, as you said, it's mainly the teachers, which I don't really hear that much. So teachers have all the power, but in this case, they do. It's really know? good. I mean, yeah. yes, administrators can certainly pop in, and there's going to be an area. Mm-hmm. There is an area for parents to certainly question and students to question what's going on. And I think that's a really positive thing because I think that any teacher wants to be able to show the um, the reasons why they're giving the grade. It's not an arbitrary situation. They're on, everybody's on the student's team. That's mm-hmm. the deal. Is that yeah. People want students to succeed, but it's the question of, we've moved from what we want them to succeed at. Right. Whereas for a long time it was, we want them to succeed in getting a good job with a pension and retire ultimately. Mm-hmm. Now it's, we want them to be able to take whatever's going to come at them because jobs are changing daily you know Mm -hmm. kind of thing so we need lifelong learners people who have quality of life we're going to be living a lot longer there's a different goal yeah so we need to reflect that right and our education system needs to change as our goals and the students goals change so what is you know the current grading standard just to go a little bit deeper into this question and 
you already discussed like why it needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. So if you could just explain what the current grading standard is. Okay, so right now most teachers, not all, because a lot of uh, I mean I'm hearing more and more um, teachers are embracing this more equitable. And by the way, I did not come up with this. Um, this this whole idea is based on a group of researchers who've been working on this for about 15 years. About mm-hmm. and just come really into um, the focus in the last couple years. Pre- little bit pre-pandemic. Um, Douglas Reeves is one of the main um, people who've written a lot about getting rid of the zero and changing the grading. And then Joe Feldman is okay. uh, grading for equity. So um, those, I just want to make that very clear. This is not something I'm... <laughs> yeah. I'm you know. It's a broader movement. It's a very, a it's of. a broad yeah. movement. And um, it's very interesting to me. Okay, so um, uh, how we grade right now is a 100-point scale for the most part. And like I said, I mentioned before, mm-hmm. where 50% of that is failure. Um, also, there are some pretty strict um, tenets of grading that you'll hear over and over again, um, and, and they sound really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, There's no retakes or reduce for the most part um, because the real world, we got to toughen these kids up and show them what the real world is like. Well, I'll tell you, I've been out in the real world. We get a lot of second chances. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Um, we um, need to hold them to the standards of what, how their actions are. School is part of teaching them how to survive in the college and how to survive in um, jobs and, and you know be a good mm-hmm. worker, stay, get there on time, and um, those kinds of things. Well, the world's changed a lot, and jobs are very different now. And I think the pandemic just ushered in something that was already coming. So hybrid working, um, you know, project-oriented working where you can mm-hmm. set your own hours. Those are things that are real now, and they're becoming much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So um, part of the grading that that we do for participation or for um, homework turning in and attendance, like I said, mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily as relevant. It's important, and there's no reason not to show respect for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, when you show up on time to a, to a class, you're showing respect. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know if that should be part of the grades because yeah. it doesn't really show mastery over the history or English or math or science or whatever you're you're doing. Right. Right. So did that explain that? Did I explain that on the curve? Oh, and the curve is when you compare each other all mm-hmm. the time. So. You're learning your own mastery. Why are you compared to, I don't mm-hmm. have the same experiences as, as you do. Mm-hmm. I should be judged upon mastery I, I get, I, right. I can retain. Right. <clears throat> yeah, you, yeah, you explained it really, really well. So could you perhaps give me an example? Like, how would this play out in a specific classroom? Okay. You know? um, math usually is the, uh-huh. the, the classroom that everybody presents. Mm-hmm. And actually, math is... Um, particularly in uh, when I did the recent interview with Dr. Berg at Buena Park, math, the math department seems to be an area that has found a lot of success and um, is, is embracing this uh, type of grading. So, um, so when you walk into a math class, um, the traditional way you're going to be graded on a curve and you know so many people will get averages a few people will get a's and b's and then so many people will get d's and f's that's grading on a curve right Mm -hmm. Uh, the traditional kind of thing um mastery on the other hand indicates that 
when you learn a unit, when you, you, when you master the standards that are laid out in a unit, then you will pass. So in essence, everyone can achieve mastery or proficiency in that class. So would it be like a pass-no-pass pass system, or were there, would there be <coughs> labels like mastered, still needs work, and stuff like okay, that? Okay, now this is the cool part. Right. This is where teachers come in. Okay. They get to choose. Okay. <laughs> they get to choose. So the idea is, is that because this new grading is um, explained through rubrics, we'll talk about that in a second, yeah. and it is articulated through grades and, a, and pretty much classroom-wide, a teacher can go into any conference with a parent, with other teachers, with administrators, and explain exactly what their grades mean. In that way, they get to choose if they want to do a five-level grading <laughs> system that is A, B, C, D, F, or, you know, but what each one means. Right. So A would be mastery, B would be proficiency, and C would be so on and so on, you know, so like almost emergency, emerging proficient, and then no data down below. So you have different levels. Okay, and, and how would this kind of affect college? Because we, you know, grades are, you know, yes, you got to show everything. GPA for college. Right, exactly. So this is actually kind of cool, because if, and a rubric is where all the teachers in a subject matter get together, or a single teacher. It's harder when a single teacher is doing this. But when all the teachers across in, a, in an area decide on the state standards, what are the important parts of those standards, what they're all going to teach, and therefore what mastery is. You've had a rubric in your mm -hmm. classes, right? And they're yes. really cool. They're easy to understand because you know exactly, if you click off these boxes, if you can show that you understand these concepts, mm -hmm. then you will get this level this you know right. you know exactly where you're going to end so you have agency now to put that effort in and find out that information right. um so that there's no blurry point system or mm -hmm. i didn't talk out in class enough or oh gosh i got sick so i blew it you know those kinds of things don't happen anymore or homework for instance some mm -hmm. people have a really hard time with homework yeah. they're They've got uh, stress at home. Um, they don't have the internet bandwidth, whatever they need to get this done. Um, mm -hmm. They have jobs. They have other classes. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're graded on your homework that, as part of the grade, that doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't putting the effort in. You might ace the unit test. Mm -hmm. You might have mastery over the subject. But because of this arbitrary allocation of points... Mm -hmm. you're not going to do well on that right does that yeah that makes sense so, so for individual teachers since they're going to be deciding this does this increase their workload because now they have to changes it right it changes so right, it, right so in the very beginning it sounds pretty daunting particularly for teachers who've been mm -hmm. teaching 20 years a certain way it's really overwhelming mm -hmm. for new teachers it's actually really easy because it's the only way they're you know it's like oh this is the way you do it right but for example go back to the math Mm -hmm. um, let's say that you have one student, and this is a classic one, you have one student who will never show work, just comes up with the answer, boom. Right. And, and then the teacher's going crazy. You need to show your work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to dock you if you don't show your work. Mm -hmm. But they get them all right. Well, there's a reason. So if the teacher just front loads to that student, look, <laughs> mm -hmm. there'll be two tests, two um, questions on the unit test, and you will show your work or you will not be showing me mastery. You have to show 
the process of how you got this answer so that you can move on. Mm -hmm. Usually kids are like, oh, okay. If they really understand it and they understand how they got that answer, it's not a problem. They just don't need to do 50 of them as practice. They can show the teacher on that test that they got it. Mm -hmm. So you have this push me, pull you kind of situation where teachers are used to spending a lot of time in classroom management trying to get kids to do their homework or try to get kids to participate. When you stop grading that, that part disappears. They free up their own time. They free up their time. So they don't have to spend the time there. And most kids, once they realize that, hey, if I do this homework, I need help here if I do this homework and I get a better you know I show mastery I'm well then it behooves me to get the homework done and get help you know Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a straight it's just like when we shifted to common core it was new it takes a little bit of transition Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily more work it's a redistribution of time okay that that makes a lot of sense and I think this kind of change is very daunting when it's you're scary to, right change is hard yeah change is very hard <laughs> so what is currently let's talk about Fulton specifically okay. now so what is being done in our school whether that be elementary middle or high uh, schools are we implementing this new system of grading is well like I said it? it's up to the teachers a lot of administrators are supporting this elementary schools adopted some of this idea quite a few years ago with the satisfactory excellent needs mm-hmm. to improve um, which is Great. It's a more equitable grading. However, I think that um, they, without adopting uh, all the pieces or a good majority of the pieces, I don't know how much mastery is really happening. And I think that is reflective. I'm sure that, I mean, I certainly heard many years I would go into a class in September and the teacher would give us our first quiz or whatever, and they would look at us and say, what did you guys learn last year? What happened? Um, and that's something that common refrain. Um, when you transfer over and you have rubrics for every subject, for every unit, then what did you learn last year? This is what we learned. <laughs> yeah. You, As a student, you have agency and say, dude, or you know, whatever. We learned this concept, this concept, and this concept. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I know. This is what's under my belt. Okay. Um, so that gives you a lot more agency. It also transfers into college. It was, we were talking about that and, mm-hmm. and scholarships. Colleges benefit a lot. And there's a lot of articulation that happens between the high school and colleges already. But mm-hmm. this is a conversation that they need to continue having is that it's pretty easy to, if you have rubrics set up for every subject, when you're articulating with an upper grade level, whether it's college or high school or whichever, and you and they're saying, well, we need a five, uh, we need a five paragraph essay that is investigative. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we've been concentrating on literature. Well, that's not going to work for us anymore. This is what we have to. We this is what they have to know. Mm-hmm. Then that's an articulation that they could come to a compromise pretty easily. Versus walking into a articulation meeting. Do I need to explain articulation meeting? Yes, please do. I'm sorry. <laughs> I my the lexicon's a little weird. Okay, yeah. articulation is just basically communication. It's a place where there's give and take. Nobody really. Um, Nobody dictates 
but everybody realizes that you're sitting at the table for students to succeed. So if colleges are requiring uh, like nonfiction writing or mm -hmm. investigative writing or some of these other things, terms they come up with, then it's up to the high school to know that and be communicated from the college to the high school. But the high school needs to tell the middle school teachers, hey, look, mm -hmm. this is shifted. This is what they're getting tested on. Poetry's great, but symbolism isn't the hot thing right now. Right. It's investigative writing. Just giving you guys a heads up. Okay. Like dual immersion happened a, a couple of years ago. You know, it was really right. big and it's huge in our elementary school district. The elementary school district was really wonderful and said, hey, uh, high school, we have this group of kids. They're making it to third grade dual immersion. We look like we're going to have quite a few uh, bilingual children who will need classes directed towards mm -hmm. that. You need to plan for it now. Okay. So those are articulation meetings. Right. And they're sometimes administrators are wonderful and supportive of that and sometimes it, it goes back in a wave right. right now we're in a really good place awesome and that's really nice to hear so our listeners if they want to support something like this whether mm -hmm. that be in their schools or through our paper or anything else mm -hmm. what would you recommend they do to learn more and then support this new system of rating okay so teachers and parents have well, they have a very interesting relationship, I think, particularly during the pandemic. You know, we've, we've really had this um, depth of relationship. But it's mm -hmm. something that parents, I know it's tiring, but it's something that they should keep and embrace. Um, and one of the ways that um, you can make sure that grading is mastery of subject or that's something that's important to you and you let the teacher know that it's super important to you that go back to the back to school night or send an email early on and say, hi, I'm so-and-so's parent. And they're very excited about your class because of blah, blah, blah. And, mm -hmm. you know, no. but introduce yourself um, and then let them know. Um, I'm very much interested in uh, being aware of the subjects that my student will master this year. What mm -hmm. standards are, are our goals to master this year? Use that wording. It's okay. Okay. Um, because all it means is that you're saying that my I want my student to be able to focus on learning material and getting a hold of skills. Mm -hmm. You know, if you form that relationship at a good place before that first grade, those grades come in and you are angry and emotionally um, pushed, stressed out, then it's easier for you guys to have those discussions if it comes up later. Okay. So you but, recommend yeah. people, you know, um, parents start I contacting. I always do. Yeah. I always do. And, and also, you know, take a moment and a breath and sometimes this is really hard I know um, but remember that everybody's on the same team everybody's mm -hmm. goal is to get your student uh, positively successful through this grade mm -hmm. through this time um, whether it's uh, having more uh, equilibrium balance with work and life you know uh, mastery of a subject social and emotional learning we're all on this team together, you know, and so if you can take a breath and remember those priorities, sometimes it makes it easier to have a relationship and, mm -hmm. and a quick communication. And right. email is so easy, especially for um, the parents' generation. It's really <laughs> a simple, 
it's 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 usually a simple way to communicate with um, the teachers. It mm-hmm. takes a little bit of stress off. Right. So you need that understanding before mm-hmm. you get into it, and you know, do that clear communication right. with the teachers. And I I love that that's a step that it's very direct. You know, you don't have to go through the bureaucracy to get to that. Yeah. So thank you so much, Vivian, for explaining all this today. Um, we really appreciate having you here and writing about this topic. Um, and we look forward to reading some some more of your work. On yep, this. I'm going to start writing on subjects that are interesting to me. <laughs> so yeah, so you'll be hearing more about it, things like awesome. that. So that'll be cool. Thank you, Arush. Thank you. All right, that is the end of today's podcast, Fullertonians. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Fulton Observer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to keep up with the latest Fulton news. Fulton stories of all our headlines are available on the Fulton Observer website, or you can subscribe to the print edition that gets mailed to your home every two weeks. You can also donate to support local journalism on our website. The journalists behind our headline stories are Anthony Roberts and Saskia Kennedy. Special thanks to Vivian Moreno for the interview. Adrian Mesa is our editor, and I'm Marush Navid, your host.